I'm Dr. Daniel Halleck, and welcome to The Wild Conversation, where we make the best thinking in psychology, leadership, and organizational science accessible to leaders who are willing to learn and edit for their sake and for the sake of others. We're in the middle of our series that we've titled Building a Great Team, and today's topic is all about coaching your team. And coaching is something, if you've noticed, I think you maybe all of you have, has become incredibly popular, and, and for good reason. The International Coaching Federation reports that people who participate in coaching saw a 50 to 70% increase in their performance, their team's effectiveness, and even their time management. When you look at different studies that talk about the ROI of coaching, the return on investment, you see numbers like a five, uh, five times ROI or six times ROI, even 10 times ROI. When you look at the decisions, the cost savings, I've had coaching clients who, when they've told me some of the decisions they've made as a result of coaching, I've asked them to put an, a dollar value on that. Um, it is easily a 10 times 10x ROI for coaching based on the results it, it can get. And so coaching is valuable. Coaching is meaningful. Because of that, today we have coaches for everything. We have career coaches. We have life coaches. We have parenting coaches. There are energy coaches, dating coaches. There are even coach purses I discovered when I did a Google search. I know some of you have those. There are sleep coaches, health coaches. And get this, this was my favorite. There, there are even now not just life coaches, there are end of life coaches. So there is literally a coach for everything. And my fair therapist friends moan about that because all those things used to be their job apparently, but now they get siphoned into coaching in different places. But seriously, the, the concept of coaching has become popular again for good reason, because coaching can be really impactful. And because of that, this idea of team coaching has begun to take off too, not just coaching an individual, but how do you coach an entire team? And that's because we want people on our teams to be their best. We want them to be effective. And together with shared goals and purpose, we want to accomplish great things. We want effectiveness and innovation and efficiency and performance. But we also want to do it, do it in a way that at the end of the project, at the end of that moment, people would say, this was so meaningful that I would willingly do this again. And that's what makes great teams. And that's why coaching is meaningful. And that's the heart of this series. Today, coaching is particularly relevant for me on my mind because earlier this morning, I finished up um, a year of coaching with my one coaching client, Dr. McKenna and I, we run wild leaders. And so we don't take on too many coaching uh, clients, I typically take about one, sometimes two per year just to continue to stay fresh. And so I finished the, the year and I told him, I said, this was one of the most, coaching him was one of the most rewarding coaching experiences I've had in my 15 years of professional coaching. And so I'm fresh off that moment. And the ROI on his organization was massive. We, we, we literally went through a list of things that he's done because of that year of coaching. But the thing he said that got me the most was that he said, I've left every conversation with agency knowing that I have something that I can do. And so coaching is meaningful for the individual. So what does it look like to coach your team? What I want to do is I want to differentiate coaching your team 
from directing your team or even co-leading with your team, which is important and another wild conversation for a different time. And so let me let me distinguish between those three. And then I'm going to give you the heart of my uh, conversation today, give you three ideas and leave you with two questions. Coaching versus directing or even co-leading. Directing is, and by the way, all of these matter. So I don't want to decrease the value of one, but I do want to focus today on coaching. Directing your team, directing their performance, their work is critical. So please do not hear me say that you don't do it. It's important to give your team direction. We need to do this. This is the direction we've got, we're going. This is what I've received from the people who lead me. And this is where our organization is going. Let's marshal our energy towards these places. I need you to take on this task to free up my, my time. Or we're looking at balancing our workload across the team. And I think this fits better with your skill set. There, there are times to direct. There are times to tell. There are times to advise. And if I said that that wasn't the case, I'd be reckless because the challenge for most leaders isn't directing or coaching. It's the wisdom to know when do I do which. So know that directing your team is important, but directing your team is often giving them direction, telling them it doesn't often empower them or give them the ability to solve or grow to their next level. So this idea of participative leadership or co-leading has become really popular in a distributed workforce where power and resources often, even our physical presence, are not all in one place. Co-leading is really meaningful. I think that gets us close to this idea of of team coaching, but I'm not even talking about co-leading. Today, I'm truly focused on what does it look like to coach the individuals on your team and to coach them as a team collectively. One of the best ways I've heard this described and seen it myself is coaching is evoking or drawing something out of an individual or in this case, a group that they may not have been aware of. And so I want to focus on what does it mean to to draw somebody out? And this is my big idea for today, that the heart of coaching your team is about guiding them by facilitating with great questions and not about directing or telling or giving them advice. Guiding them by facilitating a conversation with great questions, not by directing, telling, or giving them advice. Now, again, that is important, and there's absolutely a time for it. And oftentimes, they go hand in hand. But I want to give you three big ideas, and I'm going to tell you what they are, and then I'm going to unpack them. The first is this, lead with questions. The second is coach everyone and everyone. And lastly, lean into a system. So to guide our team by facilitating with great questions, knowing that directing and giving them answers is important at the right time, the first thing is this idea of leading with questions. And this is something that is essential to everything in our philosophy and system and architecture at Wild. It's why we give you questions to start the conversation on Fridays and even into our breakouts. The power of questions does this. I've heard many people say, Questions help somebody realize that they have the answers inside them. And so using great questions invites them to, if you will, put a mirror up so they can see and dig deep and realize they actually do have the answer. They just need to dig a little bit deeper. And I would say, yes, many times if you're coaching somebody on your team or you're working with, 
critical thinking, the core of it really is being able to process and dig deeper. And sometimes a person does know the answer. They really do need to dig a little bit deeper. I would say, though, that that's not all of it. Sometimes the questions reveal that you need to dig deeper for yourself. Sometimes the questions reveal you do not have the answer. I believe that oftentimes we don't have the answer deep inside us. And so the question actually, instead of a mirror to look at ourselves a little bit more intently and realize, maybe I do know, sometimes the question actually carries your gaze outside of a window. It's like giving somebody a pair of binoculars and instead of realizing they have the answer inside themselves, they realize they need to look further beyond themselves and go find the answer. And so I'm going to ask you the question that's going to make you pause and say, maybe there's another way to, to, to take it. And sometimes the question is more than just the mirror or the binoculars. A friend of mine and I were talking to a mentor this last week, and he said, I came to you for binoculars and you gave me a Hubble telescope. And what he meant by that was sometimes the question invites people to consider possibilities, not just look beyond themselves, but to consider possibilities that they never even thought were possible, expanding their imagination. And here's why this is important. Today, one of the things I've noticed is really popular is this idea of accountability and ownership. Themes, that's always been important, but certain themes come in and out of popularity based on books or conversations. If I had a dollar for every conversation I have with a leader when I'm talking about what they're looking to accomplish in their business, the value for themselves, and then what they're hoping to grow in their team to make those things happen, accountability and ownership are two words that come up all the time. My people aren't taking accountability. How do I get them to take ownership? What I've discovered is that when I drill a little bit deeper, not always, but oftentimes, the leader who is struggling with accountability on their team is often the leader who is indexing, leaning into direction, but not questions. And so it makes sense that the team is going to struggle struggle with accountability and ownership because you never actually put the ball for agency and responsibility in their hands to begin with. And so if I report to Sabbath and I go to Sabbath and I say, Sabbath, what should we do with this challenge we're facing with this difficult customer and client or the strategic problem we're trying to solve? And she says, here's what I think we should do. Great. I'm going to go do it. And by the way, that was Sabbath's idea because she told me to do it. I mean, we don't have to be rocket scientists or psychologists to figure it out. I'm going to go do that thing, but it's not mine. I'm not going to own it. It's, it's She owns it. But if I go to Sabbath and I say, what do we do about the strategic challenge we're facing? And she says, what do you think? I said, I don't know. I'm asking you. I know, but I want, I want to hear your best thinking. And then she asks me questions that make me realize either I do know the answer. I'm just a little bit scared. And so she maybe coaches me and helps me build up some courage or, you know, I I really have no idea, but I think there's a business model out there that would work and I need to go explore and do some research. Or maybe she blows my mind and the questions make me realize there's something I never, I never even considered, but the questions impart the empowerment and the agency that shows up as accountability and shows up as ownership. It's the difference between looking for root causes versus looking for symptoms. The symptom is accountability and ownership. The deeper root often is 
it's easy to teach leaders how to delegate. You can come up with a formula for that. The more difficult part is getting into the underlying reasons that will block or unlock their ability to delegate or to empower somebody. And so back to this big, this, this idea of if we want to coach our teams, if we want to evoke from them and draw out their best, there are times to direct, but what if we lead with questions? Because questions often provide more than answers. And asking questions, if you've tried this, you know it is so much harder to ask the good question, to let the person process, discover what's inside them, look for something beyond themselves, or come up with a novel possibility than it is to give them the answer. And one of my litmus tests, personally, for when I'm moving from directing into or coaching into directing is I know I'm not coaching when I try to solve the problem for them. If I feel like I need to solve the problem, I'm not coaching them anymore. Now, again, hear me clearly. Managers still need to direct and tell, but our natural default is often to do that. Ask and so my, my, my hope is that we can lead with questions, ask first, and then tell later if we want to coach our teams and draw out their best. Do we ask them first, start with questions, and then move to tell? Or do we start with the direction, hoping that eventually we'll coach them? And so lead with questions is my first point. Second thing is this, coaching everyone and everyone. If you've been with us before, you've heard Dr. McKenna talk about the difference between looking at everyone, the group, and looking at everyone as in the individual. And so coaching your team, it's both. It's the, it's the one-on-one opportunities to have deep coaching conversations or quick coaching conversations with the people on my team, but it's also looking at the team and coaching them together. So a couple examples of what that could look like. I love a good after-event review. You have a project and initiative that ends. And so you might, you have your team together and you can say, what went well? What didn't go well? What do we want to do next time? You could ask those questions individually, but it's a great conversation for your team. Imagine an hour-long conversation where the only thing you said as a leader is, what went really well? What are we proud of? Let's celebrate that. Let's learn from those lessons. Okay, what didn't go as well? Or what, what would we like to see done next time? And you. Your job is really to guide the conversation with these powerful questions and let them process and learn together and then move forward with the agency, the ownership themselves. And so this can be done at the team level, can be done at the group level, but here's the key. If you're only focusing on the individual, you're getting developmental moments with them, but you're missing the power of the collective team to work together and really take shared ownership. If you're only focused on the team and not the individual, you're missing the power of taking them deeper personally. And so doing both together. And here's the good news. It does not have to take a lot of time and you do not need to be a trained executive coach. If you are, or if you have one to bring in, that's wonderful. We have our wild coaches come in and do this with leaders alongside them, but you, but you can do this yourself in a great coaching conversation with your team or with, with a person on your team, doesn't have to be long. It could be a 15-minute conversation with a person. It could be a 15-minute conversation with your team. And so focus on 
coaching everyone and everyone. And then lastly, as you build on that with the questions focusing on the individual and the group, a focus on the one with an eye to the many, it's leaning into a system. Great coaching can become a muscle, a habit, but I find that even though I'm trained as a coach and I've done this for a decade and a half, I will easily default to whatever is in front of me because we have action items, we have agendas, we have things that keep us busy and take our attention. Our team was talking about this morning before preparing for this call, how we do this for ourselves. We have those individual rhythms and those group rhythms on a regular basis. And we do this for for clients. And even then, we have priorities and agendas and deadlines. And we'll say, do we have time for that team development conversation on Monday? We still question it ourselves, even though we know it's so powerful. But the thing is, we have a system. We have a rhythm that's built into the rhythms of our business. And so we commit to it and we make it happen. And every time we have that conversation, once a month, we have a team development conversation where we're going to be focused on our growth together and then individually. Every time we do it, we say this was worthwhile. And there is always a meaningful business outcome that comes out of that team development time, something substantial to our business, to our goals. But without that cadence, without that rhythm or system to do it, we might not prioritize it, even though we, more than anybody, know and see the power of it. And so leaning into a system for your one-on-ones and for your team sessions. I'll leave you with this before we get into our breakouts. Our team uses something that we call the process of thoughtful action. It's a really easy, simple framework for individual and team coaching. We use it all the time. Um, We have a great article on it. It has some coaching tips uh, and a nice framework. It's three simple movements in a coaching process. Awareness, application, and action. Anytime you have data, individually or collectively, there's something to become aware of. And so imagine a team conversation, again, an after event review. Okay, we finished that, 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 that event. What did you become aware of? What did you learn? Great. Talk, let's talk about the application. What was the impact on us? What was the impact on others? What happened? And then based on all this, let's talk about action. What do we feel motivated to change or do next? What do we want to keep doing? What do we want to adjust? Three simple questions that we work often into individual conversations, team conversations as a framework and a muscle. So I'm going to leave you with two questions. The first is, is your default to ask your team or to tell your team? Is your default to ask your team or to tell your team? And second, what is your system for investing in your team? individually and collectively. Let's keep the conversation going. Thank you for listening to this wild conversation. To join our live wild conversation on Fridays, visit our website at wildleaders.org backslash wild conversation and subscribe to this podcast for regular whole and intentional leader development conversations. Have a great day.